Welcome back to this week's Here to Make It Queer. I'm Adam, and I'm getting a bit of a sense from my aura that it might be snowing this weekend. And my name is Harry, and I'm just tucking into a delicious Brexit bun. And let me tell you now, this week was bloody intense. And to help us decompress, deconstruct, and figure out what the hell happened this week, we have the gorgeous Alexis Michelle joining us. Alexis Michelle, your name, it rhymes with hell. <laughs> I'm so excited. I cannot wait for Alexis Michelle. So let's not funny about it. Let's get straight into the episode. So welcome back to Here to Make It Queer. We have a fabulous guest with us this week, Miss Alexis Michelle, all the way from New York City, here to chat about the season. And of course, Harry is here as well. Hello again, everybody. Yeah, I'm very excited because this week we have not only a Snatch Game winner, but we also have the host of Good Morning Bitches, which I think leads beautifully into the season we have this week. So I'm very excited that we're joined with Alexis Michelle. Good morning, bitches. Good morning, bitches. <laughs> I have to say, it was such a nostalgic moment when uh, when I heard the girls say good morning. They did say good morning, bitches, didn't they? They did, yeah. <laughs> it really did make my heart swell. And it was great because it was one of those challenges on your season that I don't think they'd properly done before. They've done those interview segments before, but it felt really nice to have like a live TV broadcast. I'm really glad that the UK got to experience that challenge as well. It was a fully flesh, fleshed out version of the sort of celeb interview that had come before. Um, and, it, and it was a whirlwind and it was, um, it was more epic in scope than just an isolated interview. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. Because it was not, you know, there was teleprompter, there was working with one partner, there was throwing to other people um, and trying to keep a kind of like through line and tone to your mm. whole, morning show with with not just your your most immediate teammate but also like your whole team yeah. so it was a pretty epic challenge and and not not easy for everybody no and that's the thing i think watching it as well you do realize it is a much bigger challenge than it seems on paper i think you go oh you're hosting a tv show and it's live but like you said is there's different segments there has to be a back and forth there has to be a rapport with your co-host and it really is about six challenges in one this week. And yeah. I, I think it was great to watch on your season. I'm really glad the UK Queens got to experience the sort of ferocity of the challenge because it is, it's an intense one. It's an intense one, but frankly, I think one that uh, Queens from your side of the pond are so suited for. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, one thing I know through and through is that um, Queens in the UK are performers, actors, improvers, um, you know, they really, the, the scope of, of what they do is wide and well-suited for a performance yeah. challenge like this. Yeah. That's it. it, it definitely tests every aspect of what a queen can do this week. And like you said, I think if you're a queen that goes out and you gig every week, this, this should be second age to you. It's, it's just throwing all these bits in, being able to remember who's coming on when, who's doing this, but also being able to have that humor and keep a, an audience entertained I think is a yeah. great challenge but it's also a great way to showcase the part of the show that sometimes you don't see a lot of the of Drag Race is costume making and dance challenges and actually this is probably a challenge that's really relevant to a lot of queens that go on it this is a big part of what they will do in their their day drag jobs yeah I think it 
I thought for me, I keep getting visions of um, Shay and Sasha eating that chocolate broccoli. And I think the new version of that was Lawrence breaking that tiny bike for me. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I was like, no one else could have made that that funny. You know, it's so funny. Like I, I thought when, when Rue did the walk around with us on our morning show, um, Rue was like, I want you to be sellable on morning television. So that is really what I was trying to yeah. deliver and deliver that in a legitimate way. And let this be a lesson to anyone listening, <laughs> any drag race hopeful. Um, yes, like you want to follow the parameters and the rules and the objective of the challenge, but rules are meant to be broken. And that's what Shay and Sasha proved that week. They gave the least likely yeah. <laughs> performance in my group and they won the challenge yeah. um, because it was, it was funny. It was visually funny. They showed chemistry. Um, but I had so much fun with Farah. So I, yeah, I think you and Farah just made like a weirdly perfect pairing together. I felt like, um, I'm, I'm glad you said weirdly perfect pairing because <laughs> really was great. And at the time, um, I think, you know, we hadn't like really, oh, this is George, everybody. Sorry, everybody. I know this is audio, but Alexis's dog has just appeared. It's the most beautiful dog I've ever seen. <laughs> we um, got distracted thoroughly. So at that point, Farah and I hadn't really bonded in the competition, um, but we certainly did. And truly, I wouldn't have put my money on it then, but um, I would say that Farah is probably one of if not my closest friend from my oh, season. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, um, and that was a fond, a fond memory that the two of us have um, together. Less fond me sending her home, but... Um, <laughs> In but a great lip sync, might I add. <laughs> but, um, but, but very fond memory with her. And like, you know, when we... <laughs> Well, I remember gluing the toenails. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about the toenails. <laughs> That yeah, was, that, that was a moment. <laughs> but there were, there were lots of sort of scenery chewing moments in this episode of UK. I mean, you know, the girls drinking on morning television was great. And, you know, the glitter all over <laughs> those breastplate was, was fabulous. Um, and Lawrence with the makeup. I mean, it was really, yeah. it was a lot of, a lot of, uh, non-network TV fun. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It was definitely camped up beyond what daytime TV should be, I think. This right, week. yeah. <laughs> so, because we're four episodes in now, we've seen a little bit of everything at this point. Who are you enjoying the most? Oh my god. I know that's a mean question, but... No, 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 it's okay. Um, here's the thing, and this is why it's such a complicated answer, and this is why it's been such a complicated season so far. <laughs> um, I, whenever there's a, a season of Drag Race that comes out, wherever it is, I watch all of the, the Meet the Queens. Yeah. You know, and I try to get to know the girls a bit. And I was, I loved season one of UK Drag Race. I thought like, for me, it was one of the most entertaining seasons of Drag Race worldwide yeah. in a long time for me. And, um, so I was very excited to see who the second crop of girls was. And I was blown away by their Meet the Queens. You know, um, all tea, all shade. There are, 
there's a mix this season of girls who really, really, really deliver hard on looks and some that clearly have other talents. Yeah. Um, and so there were a couple of their, their promo looks that I was a little underwhelmed by. But as soon as you watch the Meet the Queens, every single person in this cast is a dynamic life force personality, clearly natural born entertainers. So mm. I, felt, I felt immediately drawn to everybody in this cast. I followed yeah. them all. Um, and I was just, well, I was already, I was already following um, Tace, but yeah. truthfully, I didn't really know too many of the others, hadn't crossed paths with them on my travels in the UK. Um, but immediately just like fell for all of them. Um, which has made this season hard because something I've always said about Drag Race is like, if you, you know, everyone who goes on Drag Race is dynamite and a star, but it's tough if you cast a whole season of, you know, in quotes, winners. Correct, yeah. Because when they get eliminated, it's very alienating to the audience. And yeah. I already in, this is our fourth episode, right? So mm -hmm. already, after four episodes, I feel like I've, I was delivered three gut punches in a row. I was exactly the same. Yeah. Like, there's no one really from this cast that you go, oh, well, you're the weak one you should be going this week. Like you said, it's, it's such a, a high entertaining cast that when a queen does go, it feels like such an intense shock to see them actually go. It's like I was stars. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I was pretty... You know, I mean, there were a couple people that I thought, okay, that's an interesting pass through or an interesting yeah. stage. But, um, but yeah, it's been truly three, three eliminations that left me, well, actually, including this episode, four gag-worthy yeah. <laughs> eliminations. All right, so who am I really jonesed about that is in... Um, should I say of who's still in? Yeah, go with go yeah. with still in. So of those still in, you know, the first. Okay, there's. I'm gonna go in order. There were three names that mm -hmm. came to my mind, and I'm gonna go in order. The first one that came to my mind was Bimini. I love her. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when I saw her promo look. I thought to myself, um, wow, like really not my thing, not my style. And yet there was such a clear historical fashion reference made yeah. that I was very impressed. And then when I watched her meet the Queens, I was like, oh, like glowing personality. Yeah. And I just have this feeling that she's going to be a powerhouse performer. Yeah. And um, I, I don't know, am I allowed to say something about how she performed in, in the challenge? Or Go for I... it, by all means. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So there was something that, uh, that she said, oh, in the, in the mini challenge, um, Great British Fake Off. Yeah. <laughs> which, by the way, um, aside from UK Drag Race, the Great British Fake Off is my favorite thing on the <laughs> earth. It's such a treat to watch. <laughs> I, I literally want to live inside my television when... <laughs> When I'm watching Bake Off, I love it so much. I think it's currently um, our best export that we have at the moment. Yeah. Is Bake Off. <laughs> it's just the best thing in the world. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Drag Race. But <laughs> so 
I was really into this mini challenge, also jealous, because I was like, oh, I know this world so well. Um, but Bimini really, really did take the cake. <laughs> yeah, I see what um, you did there. <laughs> you know, she, she was, she was appropriate to the tone of Bake Off. Yeah. She was funny and she was political and intelligent. And yeah. that, you know, drag, drag can be so many things. And I used to think that drag was about purely bringing levity and distraction to an otherwise chaotic mm -hmm. dark world. But um, if you go back to its roots, drag is also founded in um, activism and yeah. politics. And so I love a queen that brings a kind of political and um, cause edge yeah. to their drag. And already, like, she's sort of got a cause. Like, she's always, like, talking about being vegan. And not that that's going to be everybody's cause, but she's got a point of view. Like, point yeah. of view is really key. And I feel it very hard from Bimini. Um, so Bimini was the first that came to mind. I have a particular soft spot for Ellie Diamond because that kind of polished, painted, referential drag is how I kind of identify and aspire to. So yeah. really, really impressed for, cause she's 21, right? Yeah, it yeah. still shocks me every time I hear it. <laughs> for a 21 year old to be so advanced in the art of drag is very, very impressive. Um, we did see her age show this week. <laughs> confronted RuPaul. Yep. In the work, and I'm glad you brought that up as well because that was a moment. It was like <laughs> a pearl moment. You know, it, it it was it read like a pearl moment, but it wasn't. And I really felt for Ellie in that moment because what Ellie was feeling was, you've grabbed on to like this other Queen's Scottish identity. Like, what about yeah. mine? And yeah, it was almost like that forgotten like younger sibling is what I felt. The, the middle, the middle child. Yeah, absolutely. And um. I, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I felt I felt for Ellie in that moment. I was like, I get it, babe. Like, you want this to, <laughs> you want this to be the moment, but like, there's also with age and experience comes learning. Like, either you know when not to speak up about something, um, <laughs> or, or 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 finding the delicate way to say it. Because I, you know, someone else in the room said. I think what you meant to say was... <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it was Tia, wasn't she? She was quick to say, yeah. I think what you meant was, I'm Scottish too, like, just to let you know. <laughs> My accent might not be as strong, but it definitely redders. Yeah. Why, why are you forgetting about me? <laughs> Which, exactly. to, to the host of a show, is probably not the best question to ask. <laughs> right. And then uh, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't speak about um, Ahura, particularly... Um, in this episode, because we got a lovely glimpse into mm. her vulnerability, um, and you know she's been she's been bringing it on the polished fashion front, no no doubt. But she brought it in the performance challenge this week, and we got to see we got to see some of that that pain that that can exhibit in other ways. Um, but then, oh, I. You know, fuck me. I like, I love taste too. I've yeah, stunning <laughs> taste for a long time. Um, beauty, performance, attitude, fashion. So 
There's, I, it's really hard. I, this, is a, this is a group I'm in love with from start to finish, really. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. I think you've ticked off a lot of the boxes that you see with a lot of the other seasons. Like you said, um, Ahura, I think, has been um, maybe a bit stone-faced in previous episodes. And I think to have this week show her vulnerability and to let the audience know a little bit more of who she is was a really important moment. I know in other American seasons, you've had that sort of pantomime villain throughout the whole season. And you don't really get much more based on the way the show edits or the way that the queen chooses to come off on TV. And I think just to get that little glimpse of, like you said, really, it was real proper tears in her confessional this week, I think was, I mean, maybe it's a bit uh, sadist to say, but it was, it was really beautiful to have that moment on television, I think, to see a queen really open up and say, this is how I'm feeling. Yeah. I know that we get those moments of, of opening and vulnerability on um, on American Drag Race as well. However, I don't know. There was something about this episode, or there's something about UK Drag Race in general that I feel like there's more embracing of of it and of feeling and um, and I mean, like you saw it in the you know in the workroom discussion between Tia and and Ahura that yeah. There these like foes in the competition finding a common understanding and perhaps even like developing their friendship. So mm. it was lovely. And I feel like I'm always all for that. Like I don't, I really just don't subscribe to this, this notion that drag is catty. Like for me, the joy of drag has always been about sisterhood. Yeah. Yeah. So I love to see it. Yeah. It's needed. It. Yeah. After, I mean, I'm, her post yesterday I think she like slowly edited it now but it was quite heartbreaking to read she was like I knew this was coming four episodes in and yeah I've had to deal with your hate for the last three episodes because she's been getting some really nasty messages um, really? about like the way her and Tia's like confrontations have come across and so then now I think it's very needed that they finally moved past that story arc and now can start presenting her in a nicer way yeah because I think people forget that it is Obviously, it is real things that are being said, but it is still a TV show. It's it's here for entertainment, and I think you can't take reality TV too real because it isn't no. to an extent. <laughs> Glad you said it, not me. No, back I'm row. keeping you safe from this point. <laughs> it, I mean, it's a pressure cooker, as you know. Like being in that environment, there's obviously going to be tensions. In like we saw I, the beginning of the episode it was very tense. Yeah, that was. I mean, I, and pressure cooker was, you know. A, a label I put on it during my season for mm. sure. Um, Georgie, you've got to stop playing with that bone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I feel like your season was definitely one of the first where we saw that real social media change to how a season is interactive with the fans. I mean, we definitely saw the whole um, the Valentina Stan. Uh, influence that happened, which I think in the UK for us, obviously we didn't have a season then, but I think in the UK it felt very different to watch because for us we're like, we're across the pond. We just enjoy the show for entertainment and seeing like the, the fandom and the queens, but it, it was definitely a, it got quite brutal by the end of your season based on the fandom responses with how things, and I know that you definitely got some of the brunt from it as well, which for me seems crazy when it's it's supposed to be a TV show celebrating queer art, and we didn't really. <laughs> it, 
Uh, season nine was definitely a kind of turning point in, in several ways. One being, yeah. you know, the first season on VH1 and reaching a wider audience. Um, and I think with that came this expanded social media experience. Yeah. And on one hand, it allowed, you know, people to build large followings, um, but it did also foster, um, you know, some cattiness and some, and some narrative from the reality show yeah. that, that, that translated into social media, both in the way some of us, like myself, were treated, and also, frankly, in the way that some of us have struggled to build larger followings. Yeah. Um, I just know that I know a lot of people sort of like wrote me off early on, and um, I've been so thrilled with all the opportunities that I have had and the the turns my career has taken. And I feel like I've gotten to do some things that are, you know, you know, perfect for me and what I yeah. should be doing. Um, but it also feels like an uphill battle sometimes. And, um, you know, I'm not, it's not a complaint. It's an observation. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, I'm always grateful for the experience I had. And like I said, it was life-changing. This has been the first time in my life that I've been able to solely be a performer and not have to hustle at three jobs. So yeah. I'm, I'm so grateful for the experience, but the, you know, the narrative is real yeah. and, 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 and people, the fans who love the show so much, especially young ones on social media, sometimes just take everything at face value and then, you know, will lash out and, and treat real people, you know, yeah. as, as their little characters from their show that they love. And, and I think that's the difference as well that people forget is you guys aren't acting a role. This is actually your life that you're going this and showcasing to the world. It's not, oh, we're getting this person to come in and stir this or this person to do that. And like you said, it's an edit. They need to make a TV show. So if, if a particular minor drama's happened, but they can edit in a way that looks great, they're going to use it. And I think, like you said, a lot of uh, younger people do get fully roped into that environment. But at the same time, you kind of want those dramatic moments on TV, not for the influx of negativity that comes after it. But I mean, the You Never Loved Me was such an, a brilliant oh moment from your season. Like you couldn't have like written that. No. It was that, a legitimate telenovela. Like, and that is the genius of my little precious baby, Angel Farah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think... I don't think it was premeditated. I yeah. think it was quite in the moment. But my God, she's just, she's gold. She's pure gold, my little Farah. Yeah, um, that, was, <laughs> that was, I think, the line of the season for sure. Definitely. But it's interesting you bring up like the social media thing, because I've definitely noticed in the UK that when, because I, I like to look uh, where like the Meet the Queens comes out, where the Queens are following wise, and then a few episodes in. And at the beginning, the biggest gap was about 22,000. That gap is now nearly 200 between yeah. the most and least followed, which is insane to me because it's four episodes and they've all been in those episodes. And, and that kind of disparity, it, it carries on. You know, I'm, I'm so grateful to the people that support and follow me, but I am miles and hundreds of thousands behind, you know, some of my, you know, more popular, better liked uh, sisters and um, 
I don't resent them, but um, you know, I just wish, I wish people understood like there's more to an, to a person. Yeah. Not just the artist. There's certainly more to an artist than you get to see on Drag Race, but there's also more to a person than you get to see on Drag Race. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's it. And I think that's why you do see a lot of these younger queens sort of thrive through because for a lot of queens, they've, their idea of drag has been drag race. That's what they've grown up knowing. Whereas um, for me as a child, drag was watching Dame Edna or Lily Savage on literally on primetime television in the UK. And so for me, drag has never felt like this weird alien gay thing. It's felt like just part of my culture, my British upbringing, I guess, more than anything. I think that's part of what I've always loved about UK culture is that um, there is an, an, for me, there's an inherent humor and willingness to, um, to not take things so seriously. Uh, while I'm sure that there, there's a whole part of your culture, which is taken very seriously yeah. <laughs> we know true as well. But I think generally speaking and in entertainment, there's a yeah. willingness to like, not take everything so so, I, so, yeah. yeah, I think the UK is very tongue-in-cheek with the sort of level of camp we like to bring to entertainment, yes. um, which I think as well led perfectly into the mini challenge that we got this week was it was a pun on one of the biggest shows on British television. And for most of the queens, it was just sex-based cake puns. <laughs> and and yeah. it was hilarious. And, I and think don't get me wrong, like uh, Lawrence, you know, served up some good poop humour. Yeah. <laughs> but... But Bimini said, like, intelligence is going to win out. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I knew before Rue called it, I was like, no contest, Bimini won. I was the same. Out. Yeah. This was the first mini challenge where I was like, this will be the one that wins. Yeah. Um, and obviously this week, that gave her the advantage for the maxi challenge, which was she got to uh, choose her role first uh, right. and then let the other queens fight out for themselves. Um, so she chose herself to be the host this week which obviously you got to do with your challenge. You got to be the host. It's, yeah. it's a scary role to be because you are the one that glues it all together. Um, do you think it was strategic for her to choose that? I mean, I know that she did great from it, but that could have been such a gamble for someone to have chosen. I think it's a bold move. You know, in, in this case, the roles were sort of well divided as far as size and scope. Yeah. So it wasn't a you know, there was lower risk in that sense. It wasn't like the host um, had so much more to do than anyone yeah, else. Yeah. Um, but you are kind of the glue and you are setting the tone. So it was a bold move. And I don't think she dropped the ball by any means. No. no. And I, I think... I'm going to carry on. <laughs> uh, sorry. I think she's very clever in that she knows when to do intelligent humour, when to do slapstick, sex jokes card upside down like she's I think she can come across as quite like away with the fairies I suppose but then when it gets down to the challenges she's very like logical knows exactly what she's doing yeah I, I think she's switched on I think and I think she kind of joked about that with her runway this week of doing the Pamela Anderson devil is I think she likes to play up to that the big breasted bimbo not much clothes on but I think there's a really intelligent visual and also smarts to what she does as a drag queen she's not just here i am to be pretty i think if she does skimpy there's a reason she's doing skimpy i Absolutely. think if she's gonna play ditzy there's a reason she's doing ditzy and it's usually yeah. to underplay a very smart political joke i think she's quite witty 
I think the gist of it is that like you can do anything if there is a a thought or a point of view behind it. Yeah. And she has yet to do anything for me that didn't have a point of view. Yeah. yeah. How so, did you feel her co-host tasted uh, in the challenge with her? They did all right. They did all right. You know, the sort of like the morning show hostess drinking bit is a, is a fun trope. And, um, and I think they leaned on that a little bit. They did, they did all right. I think um, they were, they, they were a good start. Um, not the strongest of the whole program, but, yeah. uh, but it was a, a, a decent start. Yeah. I felt the same with that. And then of course, after the hosting, they went to the, goth party planners which oh was, dear <laughs> i think if we needed just a, like a gif a gif however you pronounce it <laughs> of that the rat just going into the cake and that just sums up <laughs> <laughs> that's all we like that sums up my feelings about that segment Constantly, um, it, should, it should have been brilliant and yeah, yeah it just kind of i think it they played too obvious of we'll just be moody yeah and i think you have to have kind of like the opposite to how they critique Ginny's, you have to have those dimensions. And I think their dimensions stayed quite monotoned. Yeah. Well, and, and I do think Veronica made a fatal mistake in casting herself as a goth chick. Yeah. And, and RuPaul, you know, we, I, we, we, know the, we know the formula of Drag Race from watching it. So we know when, when RuPaul says, oh, that's a, that's a bold choice. Um, <laughs> You're either going to sink or swim, but I had a feeling she was going to sink. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I also, I had a feeling she was going to sink because I thought her explanation of taking a role that didn't suit her or that no one wanted, thinking if I can excel at that, I can excel at anything. That was kind of a bold way to phrase it, but I didn't really buy it either. No. It could, yeah. could have been like a GG good snatch game. I don't have that same concern. And then right. do really well. But yeah. it was like, I don't have that same concern, but I'm going to do really badly. Yeah, it just, there's, there came to mind a RuPaul saying that has always stayed with me. And because it's wonderful to be diverse. And on Drag Race, you have to bring your diverse talents to the show. But um, RuPaul says, if I remember it right, it's know thyself and deliver at all times. And I think, um, Veronica really betrayed herself. She really just leaned into a role that she didn't understand. Cause I don't, I wouldn't say I identify as goth or ever really went through a goth stage. I mean, I definitely dyed my hair black and I definitely yep. <laughs> wore black lipstick, but I still didn't really think that I went through a goth stage. However, what I know of culture and with my experience as an actor, I do believe I could have embodied that. Um, yeah. But the, what was clear about Veronica's take on it was that she really didn't know how to embody it. No. Yeah, I yeah. kind of felt the same. And I think she could, have, she could have played smart with it. Like when you see her in the confessionals, she's, she's a very sort of cheeky Northern lass. And I think it would have almost been more entertaining if she was like doing the goth shtick with her co-host but then just every now and then zooming into like chirpy northerner and then yeah. realizing, oh no, I'm a goth. Oh, and she should have almost played into that idea of she's wanting to be cool and edgy, but deep down she's just a happy chum. And I think that that, that just gave me chills. That's brilliant. You need yeah. to 
go back in a time machine, replace her for that challenge. Yeah. Because that, that was genius. I just like, I've got the chills. I'm I think like, that's the trick she really missed with it this week. Yeah. But one thing I can, I love Sister Sister. Don't get me wrong. She's been on the podcast. She's absolutely lovely. But goths don't wear ginger wigs. <laughs> like, I, I can't forgive her for that. It was very Some, Lolita, I think. Someone in that room would have had a black wig she could have borrowed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you're going to wear red hair as a goth, you better, you know, have the, the, the best black choker around your neck. Yeah. And, and the most smoky eye. You know, you really <laughs> better sell it if you're going to make that choice. But yeah, she just, I think she felt... It's not so much that, um, it's not so much that, uh, I mean, I, I really laughed when she said, um, <laughs> I got a shitty card and the shitty <laughs> I really laughed. But the thing is, um, it's not that getting a, a partner that doesn't nail it is your, is your fatality, but you, she, she accepted it as her fatality. I think that was the mistake she made. Yeah. It, can, it can certainly disadvantage you if a scene partner isn't thriving. Right. But for me, that was the moment where she should have, maybe a bit rude, but I would have then gone, she ain't doing great. I'm not going home. And you just, you go harder, I think. And I think yeah. that was the mistake she made. Yeah. Um, she didn't try and bump herself to go, well, I, I'm not staying in this mess. I'm going to get out of it. And right. I think, but for that reason, it just both felt quite flat. And from the, the judges' critiques as well, by the sounds of it, it was the longest segment. It seemed to have gone on for a while. Is <laughs> the, the well, feedback it's never a good sign. It's never a good sign if uh, if it feels long. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. Whether it was long or it just felt long, that's never a good sign. In no. <laughs> but the goth party planners were followed by the dragony nieces, which I absolutely enjoyed. I love seeing Lawrence and Ali like partner together. It makes my little Scottish heart so happy. They they were wonderful together. I mean, Ellie perhaps a bit, you know, faded by by the spotlight that is Lawrence. <laughs> but um, but they were they were an adorable pair together. Yeah, and I must admit, I think um, you probably won't know the the lady that they referenced, but. Um, they said Lawrence reminded them of um, Michelle McManus. Oh, um, I know Michelle McManus. Oh, I'm so glad you do, because I love her. Yes. So Michelle McManus, for those that might not have known, was like a massive icon in the Naughty. She, was, um, she won Pop Idol in the UK. Uh, I believe, I'm pretty sure she does like the Scottish equivalent of like The View slash Loose Women. Totally, yeah. Yeah, so she's like, she's a proper like Scottish comedy legend without being a, a comedian. And I think Lawrence played into that person without it being, hey, I'm Lawrence and I'm doing comedy. It felt like a very real TV personality still. Yeah. Um, it's actually, it's so impressive um, to me. And this is a point now we, where we have two, I think, of the younger contestants on this season because um, Ellie is 21 and I think is Lawrence 23? I think 23. Yeah. Three. So you have these two and, you know, they, again, like Ellie, so advanced in the art of drag and Lawrence clearly so educated and studied um, in reference. And 
you know, right at the, in the first episode of this season, Lawrence was the first one into the room and made some kind of self-deprecating jokes about not having a community or not having friends. And I'll tell you what, the time spent alone served Lawrence Cheney well because Lawrence Cheney clearly spent a lot of time watching things and listening to things. Yeah. And learned her reference as well. She's so pop culture aware. Yeah. And there's been a funny meme going around recently that you might have seen. And it's, um, I've got to realize that Drag Race is just 50 plus year olds moaning at 20 year olds not getting their references. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's kind of true. And I think Lawrence is very smart with the old school gay culture. But at the same time, I think he's really snappy and on it with the newer generation's pop culture references. Yeah. That he kind of, he crosses that bridge that Rue and Michelle clearly love him for what he does. But at the same time, the younger audiences who probably don't get a lot of these references, who won't know who a Gloria Swanson is, or people like that, will still get the characterizations he's doing because he still keeps it very contemporary. And I think that's a really smart move to do in this competition to have both sets of those scales. He definitely comes across older than he actually is with his, yeah. the way his brain works, I think. Oh, absolutely. And since you said Gloria Swanson, I just have to say like, gutted, gutted from episode one that we lost Joe Black. In yeah. The I did not see that shit coming. No, no. I just like, what? He was my predicted top four. Yeah, I thought he was gonna season. win. So I was very, very shocked. I definitely thought a contender for sure, like polished, clear point of view, a point of view I happen to share and and appreciate. Um, but yeah, just so so shocked. But yeah, you know what can you do with with this with a, a cast on a yeah. season that's this universally strong? It's it's tough. Yeah. yeah, that's it. You've just made me think of Gloria Swanson now. Sorry. <laughs> no, the. New York Queen. Oh, mm. Gloria Swan song. Yeah. Yeah. Love. <laughs> yeah, so Gloria is, um, you know, it's, it's hard to say like of what generation of drag like you're a part of, but um, I feel like Gloria was sort of born unto the next generation, you yeah. know, after me. And, um, but we have a, we certainly again have a similar, um, sensibility about style and reference and I think where our love of drag originated yeah, in. Yeah. I think for both of oh. us is in the adoration of powerhouse female performances. Because this is the thing with you as well that I find is um, you Alexis I think definitely for me feels like a very almost like a British drag queen in the sense that you do have such a, a, a pop culture and an almost like a cabaret level and love for drag but at the same time you have that really like modern contemporary way in how you present your drag and for me I remember before your season started um I can't remember where you were performing but I remember seeing it online and it was you doing um was it the last midnight moonlight I can't the witch's rap that's the one and I just remember seeing that reveal and thinking like oh this is a and it's because I have like a saved tab on YouTube of just performances that I found that I find entertaining and then when I saw you were cast on Drag Race, I was like, oh, this is the theatre queen. This is the one I'm waiting to see. And I think with the UK, you get that a lot of, especially like you said, with Joe Black, you have those real cabaret stars. And even like people like Ginny, who's, they're there to entertain a crowd. And for me, that's what I think does differentiate a lot of the UK and the American season, even though there's so many similarities. I well, think 
those that really love that old school cabaret do, for me at least, shine through. Yeah. Well, bless you for calling my sensibility modern. <laughs> and, um, and also, I take it as the greatest compliment that you see any comparison between me and UK entertainers. Um, and I'm flattered and I'm going to take it because I agree. I, I have to say, watching, watching the way, you know, while, while not everybody, you know, shined the same in the Rusical this season, um, a lot of them shone very brightly. Yeah. And I just thought this is a this is a a country um, where you know what I do would also mesh and thrive, and so mm -hmm. it's yeah. part of the reason I've I've loved spending time in the U UK, and and part of the reason I want to come back so badly, and why I, I'm so over this pandemic. Um, uh, but but yeah, it's um, I that's something I love about UK entertainers is. Um, the emphasis on entertainment and live performance and live singing, which is yeah. uh, a skill, sadly, I didn't get to show on Drag Race. I know. This is the thing. You got the rusical. It was a bloody lip sync on your season. <laughs> and I really wanted to see like a I full know. Chris Jenner singing role. Oh. Like, and, I, and I would have been ready for it too. I know. I think we were robbed of it that season on yours. I, I really wanted a, a full Chris Jenner operatic moment on the season. <laughs> But speaking of uh, of keeping it camp and light, then that leaves us with our last pairing, which was um, Tia and Ahura, the unlikely pairing that for me ended up being TV brilliance. Oh, yeah. the grapple of the jazzle. Fantastic. <laughs> Genius. I must admit, Ahura's accent fluctuated a few times. At the start of it, I thought, why is she pretending she's Dutch? <laughs> and then <laughs> when she finally got into the Essex vibe, I was like, I'm believing everything that's happening. Yeah. Um, there was also a little trace in that accent of, um, of like uh, an Asian nail tech. Um, it reminded me of G At the very end. Yeah. And I was like, wait a second, what is, what is that? But yeah, it, it was magical nonetheless. And actually, I know that Tia didn't make it into the top three this week, but I actually don't think Tia did a bad job. I think both of them really no. shone this week. And I think yeah. it was quite an even pairing in how they both did. Um, I, yeah, I think both are great. And, and Tia said it correctly as well. She says, I don't think I've done bad, but I think for a good comedy pairing to work, you have to have the straight man. And I was happy to play that role because it made us as a pair work. And I think it yeah. really did. It was kind of like... And, you know, if you looked at Ginny's performance as the weather person, if you had two people doing that together that were both doing yeah. that, it would have been a train wreck. Yeah, yeah. And so Tia's absolutely right. There is a balance and there's a give and a take um, when you're working in a pair. Yeah. When you compare it to the, 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 the two goth girls that definitely both played it straight in the sense that I don't think they understood gay references in the challenge this week. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but going on to Ginny, oh my lord. That was, she was Australian, the Kate Bush hair was back. She was <laughs> like, oh. Now I'll give her some credit. It was funny. I think she did better than both the goths. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And that's the thing that annoyed me about the episode, which I'm sure we'll come into later. But it, I got what Lorraine Kelly was saying. It kind of started hyped and yeah. stayed hyped. And I, but at the same time, we didn't really get what the script was. From what you watched in the episode, 
she was just having like pebbles and water thrown at her. So I don't understand where she could have gone with it. I've got a feeling she improvised though. Yeah. Because she's a very like acting based queen, like based on improv. And I think she probably took the beginning of the script, won the rest of it, landed in the pool and forgot to say the weather bit or they cut her off would be my thoughts. It's hard to say, you know, if she was like, no, I'm just going to do this because this is going to be funnier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was, yeah, while, while it had no through line or shape or whatever, it was still fun to watch. I was entertained. Oh, it was my favorite one to watch, but I was like, RuPaul is not going to like this. <laughs> but that sometimes Ru does, you know? You yeah. Know? yeah you're, I mean, you'll be surprised every now and then someone comes out to surprise you and I, I was kind of gutted the way it ended, but at the same time, I don't think Ginny did the worst this week in the challenge. Not a bit. No. Not a bit. I think uh, there hasn't been a single episode where I've agreed with who went home. Yeah, this Most season's th- been a, a confusing one, yeah. I think. Most of <laughs> the time I've agreed with who won the lip sync, but not who was actually in the bottom, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah, and usually it's not even, oh, I'd have put this other one from the bottom three. I've usually disagreed with the bottom three in general Yeah, with the UK. Whereas I think the first season of UK, I kind of, it felt natural and I kind of agreed with most of the decisions. With this one, and, and like you said, with seeing, saying bye to Joe so soon and stuff, it, most decisions I was like, why was this one in the bottom and not this queen or this queen? And not that other queens have done particularly bad because it is a strong season, but you almost question, like, am I seeing something completely different to what the judges are seeing? But at the same yeah. time, I suppose it's it's TV. You can't really question exactly where everything goes. No. And I think it's, it is difficult because, like, especially with someone like Joe and then Cherry, when you know what they do outside of the show, I think I associate to that. So, like, knowing what Joe can do, seeing that he didn't get to do that, probably made me madder than someone who had just met Joe on that episode. Yeah challenges were literally a, a musical and a creating an outfit challenge and yeah. I'm like and then a, a tv presenting I'm like this was right up Joe's street <laughs> oh yeah and you know I'm glad you brought up Cherry as well because I uh from those meet the queens videos Cherry uh, was I thought was going to be a real contender yeah also Absolutely. in my top four that I predicted I yeah. wrote down four names I haven't said who the other two are until they've gone home uh-huh. um but the two that I, of my four that I predicted as the finalist were Joe and Cherry and they were both the first two to go home. So it really yeah. has thrown me for what could happen this season. Yeah. But the, then we have the runways, which... Was... It was an interesting theme they were given. Oh, so I love the theme. So it was, yeah, create, come as two different monsters merged together. Alexis putting you on the spot. Who would, what sort of two monsters would you have tried to mash together? Ooh, of course, I didn't even think about this, and I've only just watched the episode. I know, sorry. Because <laughs> it's a theme we've never had before, really. We've no. done Halloween women before, but... Well, you know, what's what's interesting is, first of all, when I heard Rue say, you know, mo- monster mashup, two looks in one, what I thought was, wait a second, another reveal? I was exactly the same. I thought they were doing another reveal challenge. And, you know, and I hadn't, I hadn't immediately gotten from the surprise, surprise theme that it was a reveal look. So I was a little misled, but, um, so part of me, like, would have loved to, you know, would love to sort of offer up, you know, a lot of people first knew of me before Drag Race from that video you talked about with the, with the reveal from the Hag Witch to 
the sort of princess vibe. And something I've always wanted to do, I haven't figured out how exactly, I have always wanted to go from gorgeous to hideous. Oh, and go into the hug. Yeah, so it's sort of neat to like, you know, if you think about like uh, in The Little Mermaid, like when uh, Ursula is disguised as Vanessa, Oh, like, of course, how great yeah. would it be to go from like Vanessa to Ursula. Oh, <laughs> Somehow whip yeah. off the long bangs and just have the big intensity. Yeah. Yeah. That would know, have been a really clever twist, actually. That would I have mean, been I don't, I don't know. In the confines of, uh, of, re- of real, real drag, <laughs> I don't know how it could be done, but I would love to see it. We can find a way. Yeah. <laughs> I was shocked there was no Rocky Horror references. Yeah, mm. I really that was my immediate it. thought. Yeah, because I mean, Monster Mash obviously is such a camp party song. And I thought, yeah. oh, okay, I get it. They're, they're referencing that. And it, it was a fun challenge to see like two monsters. And I think some were smart in the sense that they took two completely different ideas. Maybe the execution wasn't great with some of them. Um, but I think some of the queens this week, it was really hard to gauge what the other monster was. Precisely. Made me, like you said, that's what made me question the challenge because I was yeah. like, oh, well, that's obviously a Medusa and like a, a sacrifice pig. And, but then some of them you'd look at and go, well, that's just a classic spooky girl outfit. And I couldn't work out the extra. Yeah. What I did was I, I made a list um, with a short description of the looks and the ones that actually took two monsters and put them together, I did a check or a check plus, depending on how much I liked it. And there are several, several question marks. We literally I have done the exact, the exact same, same Because I was like, what what were the two? Because before we uh, before you joined, we were like, all right, we need to figure out what these actually were. Yeah, we rewatched the episode about five minutes before you came on to make sure we knew what they were supposed to be. And there was about four of them. We were still like, just guess zombie. We don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, so Veronica's was Medusa and a pig, very clear and well, yeah. well executed. Beautiful. I think it was surprisingly excellently executed. Yeah. Like I was... Yeah. I, I was really, yeah, I, I didn't expect it, especially because the challenge no. was a bit, uh, and I think throughout the season, she's had some very good looks. I also think she's had some very pedestrian looks. Yeah. yeah. And this one really surprised me that she went so far into prosthetic and creep. But like Michelle said, she still somehow looked glamorous with the big ball gown and the fact that the hair was really like over-proportioned. I, I, I think she did really well runway-wise this week. Yeah, it was real proper drag in that it was... Yeah silhouette and glamour and monstrosity of yeah. two of two sorts yeah. yeah the only thing i would have like liked to have changed if i was her was have the wig be an actual wig and because ha- they can make it look like snakes and do like a cage box and open up and have like an apple or something for the pig to eat Ooh. <laughs> be... yeah, feed the pig into that <laughs> yeah Love that. and um, then we Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> do you want to introduce the next one no no no. go ahead I, um i, I was, was just gonna ask you about it because i was like i don't know how to introduce it oh <laughs> yeah we're unsure well, i think i think it was sonic the hedgehog <laughs> and a mummy seriously sonic no, no i think it was i think it was meant to be a werewolf but i've never met a blue werewolf or a werewolf in general to be Honest. Yeah, all I got was mummy. I couldn't figure out the rest. That's one yeah. of my it was, Yeah, it was a very sort of teenage cartoon werewolf. Yeah. It felt very like 
I don't know, it almost felt like one of those random lesser-known Scooby-Doo episodes where they've kind of used every monster possible and just went, oh, just do a hybrid mummy werewolf monster. <laughs> like but The patches looked like mould. <laughs> yeah. I think I once like, you saw the fangs and the tail, I was like, oh, I get it. She's a werewolf mummy. Yeah. But I just, yeah, I, I don't think she looked terrible. I just don't think it was exciting. It's the sort of thing that I wouldn't be surprised seeing in a gay bar at Halloween. No, but she did revamp it and the pictures on her Insta of the new version are spectacular. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, no tea, no shade, but I think that's true of all girls that photograph their their drag race looks and then post them to Instagram. Yeah. Um, even the best ones somehow <laughs> get a little extra shine on them, a little extra zazazu from the yeah. from the from the benefits of restyling or editing. But yeah, yeah it's like oh, I, I don't remember you wearing like Alexander McQueen heels on the runway. Where did they come from for this for this Instagram post? <laughs> and then the next one was again. I was slightly confused how Pamela Anderson was a monster to mash up. Okay, no, I, I must admit, I thought this was brilliant. It, it works for me as well. Um, you know, now I don't think what would have been like, mm, I don't know, because she did, it was clearly a Playboy bunny. Yeah. And, and a devil. But when she said, this is how Pamela Anderson, and I was like, oh, that's brilliant. Pamela Anderson is... Uh, you know, an American and worldwide cultural pop icon treasure who's kind of a little bit monstrous, right? Yeah, and that's the thing for me. I thought as soon as she said Pamela Anderson, I was like, oh, it's the devil meets like a sex monster. And it was kind of that jerk of being like, like you said, she was this pinup for years and years and years. And it's almost taking the idea of the sexiest woman in the world, giving her a huge monolith, like, aggressive brow and being like this would be her if she was like satan's wife and yeah i i was happy with it i had no real critiques it worked for me other than what michelle said which was that it was quite messy you know the makeup could have been better defined and the the hair um yeah no if she had come out in that looking polished um it really would have been a wow and and that was it i think if you're gonna make the hair messy it should be deliberately like blood soaked messy or, because, I mean, really, when you think of, like, the Playboy money, uh, Bunny drag reference, the first thing I thought of was uh, when Plastique Tiara did a Playboy Bunny for one of her runway themes. And the wig and the proportions were beautiful. And Bimini's proportions were excellent. But when you just think of the wig to that wig, there was such a difference that I think that's the only thing that let her down. Because I thought the demonic brow was genius. I thought it was a really fun way to add prosthetics. But um, I agree, it could have just been polished that a little bit more. But I liked the concept. I did find it entertaining. The next look I was, I thought was going to be in the top, to be honest. Uh, Tace's, like, Lady Frankenstein. But what was the other? I this think was, was my fam- thing. It, she had fangs. That's the only thing that made me dislike it. It was beautiful. That is is a reach. That is too big of a reach for me. She put two fake teeth in and one splat of blood coming out of one side of her mouth. And I thought that was a really lazy way to do the challenge. I thought she looked beautiful. Because so often you'd see someone on on Halloween doing Bride of Frankenstein. (laughs) With with blood anyway. Yeah. You know? So I really, for me, I did not get that at all. It was a beautiful look. Oh, stunning. Yeah, yeah. 
but there was no mashup for me and i i think oh. that should have been sem- somewhat called out personally that she was one of i think it's because like i said the joe like she's one of my faves so she could come out in like a pair of jeans from target and be like yes girl <laughs> well she knows how to sell them she really does yeah um but you know i think harry speaking of of mashup i think that like i think that there's a sort of like um, a, a, an entertainment cultural reference here that's being missed by some of the younger gals, which is like there used to there used to be these mashup parties where yeah. you would come as two things, and it wasn't just like light and dark; it was a play on the words. So yeah. actually, um, Adam, you know, you said I was surprised that there were no Rocky Horror references. Here is um, a a mashup party that I remember going to years ago, and there was a brilliant costume, and it was Rocky Horror, and it was someone in a boxing outfit, like yeah, Rocky, but also mixed with Rocky Horror. Yeah, and it was. It just like the things that make your mind go like that. Yeah. That's so delicious, and that's what a lot of these girls were missing. That's the thing. It's like I've been on so many nights out where, um, especially at university and stuff, where you would see the, the people that would go dressed as uh, a one night stand, and they would literally be dressed as a table with a lamp, but with like condoms all over it. Genius. And I'm like, that's the pun, and I feel like yeah. a lot of these queens missed that idea. Like, I think Tasis could have been absolutely stunning if instead of putting in fangs. I almost wish she went ugly and did like the creature from the Black Lagoon and just did a full lizard face, but with that hair and gorgeous body. And I think that would have really transformed it because mm. you would have seen a really hideous monster and one of probably, I mean, the Bride of Frankenstein really is like a sex symbol of yesteryear horror. And I think she did that because she knew she'd look sexy. Yeah. But then just put fangs it's in. very glam, very glam. But she, I, I think if she went ugly with it, it would have, it would have heightened it. And there was no Elvira either, which I was a little bit disappointed about. So sad. This is the thing, like, Ahura's was somewhat gothic-y, but for Ahura's, I know we've skipped past a few. I just had to talk about We mentioned Bubrella. <laughs> but with uh, Ahura, the bit that got it for me was, it was just a sexy Dita Von Tease with her brain out. Yeah, well, yeah what, where was the... First of all, uh, having a scalped head, does that make you a monster? But secondly, where was the other? There, it, yeah. it completely missed the mark of the runway theme. It was might nothing. have been polished and good looking, but um, you really misunderstood the assignment. It, it was like boudoir with a bald head. Yeah, yeah there was nothing think, to mash. Yeah, and that, that's the thing she says, oh, the judges liked it when I took my wig off. I says, well, yeah, because now you've revealed at least one monster. <laughs> right, but it was a bit like Astina's pull down the thing, reveal some prosthetic teeth. teeth. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, spooky." <laughs> but that was my issue with Ginny's, who I love Ginny, but she walked out, and I was like, "I get the radioactive waste, like I get that, but what else are you mashed with?" And also, how is radioactive waste a monster? Well, if you want to get you know political and earth conscious, it is monstrous, yeah. right, and destructive. Yeah. But again, it was completely one thing. There was nothing else mixed with it. She kind of walked out doing a slight Frankenstein walk, but I thought there's no Frankenstein to it. Yeah, uh, and I think apart from the the clumpy shoes, <laughs> yeah, it's a stretch. 
Yeah, and I think if she'd have done that and then had something else with it, I could have believed in it. If she wanted to do that whole black and yellow outfit, I kind of wish when the arms went up and she had the draped fabric that if they were bat wings or something at least, I could have bought into it. That I'd be like, oh, I'm a radioactive bat. This is how all superhero films start. <laughs> I could have been into it a bit more, but I didn't hate the outfit. There was just no mashup. And she so think- like she could have taken the super earth conscious route, like you said, and made it something political. But instead, it to me came across as like you know those like kids' toys where it's like a radioactive barrel. Yeah, it was. She was like a barrel rolling down, and her because her makeup is primarily white anyway. I think if she nor if she had painted in more natural colors to begin with, previous episodes, then done the white, it could have been ooh maybe it's zombie, maybe it's Frankenstein, but it just looked like Ginny with some larger eyes. Yeah, uh, yeah, a sad miss for me this week with Ginny, but You're... I didn't hate the outfit. It was simplistic, and I think it looked good. And it would, if, if I saw her in a bar presenting that, I'd have been excited. I'd be like, oh, this is fun. But for that theme, it just didn't work for me. Yeah, yeah. I can't say it, it would thrill me in any context. <laughs> That's fair. Sorry to say it, because I also love Ginny. Right? Yeah. Another personality that I completely fell for when I met them all. Yeah, we're, we're like a diehard Ginny Lemon fan base here. Yeah, every episode <laughs> it's been, oh, Ginny. <laughs> but yeah, this, this for me was Ginny's like miss on the runway, I think. Right. Yeah. Uh, who was next on it? I can't remember. Uh, Lawrence. Had, yeah. Lawrence. So Perfection. I thought the concept was really strong and I thought the execution was really strong. I just found the actual outfit somewhat boring. But, and I think that was from a silhouette basis, but there was so much to it. I thought it was really clever. I love the sort of rhinestone blood splattered top. I loved the fact that he like molded his own face into a leather face mask. I thought there was so much cleverness in it, but it was really for me, it was a party dress and red tights. And that's the only thing I could like downplay it. Um, I've seen, um, I've seen a, a, a colleague of mine do a kind of Hannibal Lecter gown before that was yeah. quite ingenious. And so agreed on the kind of skin element. It didn't excite in a silhouette way yeah. but um but well well done and and as rue noted the the stoned blood spatter was a lovely yeah. touch yeah i mean it, i guess it did read slightly costumey in like the silhouette sense but i thought like all the references came together really well because he could have taken four completely well they were four random things but he managed to work them in in a way that it like told a story i thought it was almost like this serial killer has gone around and killed all the other ones and like taken a yeah. bit of them. Yep. Yeah, that's the thing. It still had a concept. And I think um, in terms of the construction for me, I suppose the best sort of modern reference I can use to it that we've seen on Drag Race before was um, Crystal Method's Freddy Krueger. Was she created a, a Freddy Krueger striped jumper out of patchwork jumpers and just literally safety pinned them and created a ball gown. And for me, I thought that was really clever. And I almost kind of wish that that had happened with this skin effect. I almost wish that it was a dress that had a train and like the bottom of the train would have been almost like the scalp and it would have been hair coming down instead of feathers at the bottom of the dress. Um, I just kind of wish there was like more to it or make it more deliberately a dress that looks like an apron so it feels more Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Right. But I loved it. It, it, There was nothing faulted about it. I just didn't find it exciting, like shape-wise. Yeah. And 
Speaking of shape, this is something Harry and I, in the very first episode, were not very happy with. Ellie has brought out that same bloody silhouette for a third time. The chaps, the cutout, we've seen it three times now. Mm, I see what you're saying. I, and for when you said she's brought out the same silhouette every time, I said, you mean her body shape? Oh, no, like literally <laughs> no, like the, the cut of the fabric. Yeah, so her so entrance look was the baby doll pink uh, like leotard with uh, a chap fishtail yeah. skirt and it and was then, beautiful the same episode she did Dennis the Menace in latex different fabrics still look cute yeah. and then this one just felt like the weakest version of that same cut of fabric um, well I have to say it's the whole like chap gown thing or chap pant thing yeah it- a recent trend among drag queens that I uh, happily missed the boat on. I, when it's done well, it's quite fabulous, like yeah. anything can be, but it has been done a shocking amount by a lot yeah. of queens, and I don't really get the appeal. No, um, I'm the same. It's very questionably flattering. Yeah. Um, I yeah. think Ellie rocks it because Ellie is gigantically tall, and and really works a large proportion very well. I mean, I yes. feel kind of like soul sisters with Ellie because like we're, we're big, big fellows that really know how to, you know, amplify the hip, amplify the bosom yeah. and, and nip the waist. Um, and I guess that is something that that like mermaid or trumpet line plays to, yeah. but might be nice to yeah, see it when it's not chaps. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. Like, if that was as done as an actual gown, I probably would have liked it more. But because okay. we've seen that same shape done now three times, and because this was the least exciting version, it's almost diminishing how good the other two versions were. Yeah. Um, and that's what threw me. And then I know that when I said it, I, I, I got the troll reference. You thought it was a witch at first. Um, yeah, from the nose. I don't think it was her most exciting week. No. Because she, like, she can construct and she makes a lot of her own stuff, which is what makes me kind of sad in that this week and the surprise, surprise week, it was like if she had had maybe a little bit more time and sort of, like, looked in the mirror, taken one thing off, preferably the chaps in this case, (laughs) (laughs) Um, it could have changed the whole thing. Yeah. That's how I felt with them. I at least, you know, I at least gave her credit for having two clear things. Yeah. and in her r- runway narration, it kind of sold it for me. I was like, you know, I like that. The, you know, the, the troll, the, what did she say? The, the parents were a troll and a beast, like. Yeah, tro- a troll and like a, a were beast thing, I think. Yeah. So, you know, for me, at least there was a clear definition, definite two things coming together, which was yeah. lost on so many other <laughs> Yeah, I credit her for that. She didn't just do one creature with some Dracula fangs in. Right. <laughs> Stop attacking Tings. <laughs> um, she's then, pretty, she's fine. <laughs> and then again, like the last two, I was like, what are we actually mashing? Because I know we've already briefly mentioned a horror, but Tia's was like the witch doctor skeleton... Yeah, so for me, I definitely got like a voodoo witch as one part of her costume. Right. And the other bit, yeah, I guess dead skeleton. I mean, yeah, she tried to say that it was Medusa and skeleton. Um, Not that that a skeleton is so monstrous inherently. Yeah. Um, It's a little spooky, but a skeleton (laughs) 
a monster. Um, but I will say there was an element of this look that made my heart smile, which was that um, it reminded me of season one of American Drag Race Chanel. Yeah. Iconic Medusa headpiece uh, that iconically fell off. Or, the legendary, the first moment of vulnerability on Drag Race. Right, or that was, <laughs> or that was bounced off on purpose um, if it wasn't a vulnerable moment, but yeah. yeah. I so got I, the same reference from that. I thought the same. I did enjoy that, um, but I guess a little bit of a thin concept, perhaps. Thin, thin, the, yeah. Thin body, thin concept. <laughs> but I will credit her. So far, the best she's looked in the competition. Absolutely, without question. And I kind of wish when she was safe, I wish on her way out, Rue just went, oh, Tia, you've upped your game, well done. I kind of just wanted that. You've obviously taken our critique. We've said that it needs heightening. You've heightened it. Bravo to you. And I wish she kind of got that little push as she, she went, uh, went safe into the, the workroom. I guess, you know, and this isn't something I should, you know, maybe should say, but like, Go I'm always a little bit like about giving too much praise from outfit to outfit because, yeah. um, you know, if, if you don't know, now you know, but I think most of the world knows that like girls are given a list of what to bring. Yeah. And sometimes it's luck of the draw yeah. of when you get to showcase a certain outfit. So if you have one that's a, you know, a dud and one that's a winner, you hope that it plays into an arc. Uh, yeah. Is it, are they getting stronger as the show works out? Yeah. Exactly. So I'm a little bit like this with, with that kind of, you know, good job girl but where you can see the difference is if there's like a makeup note that's been given repeatedly and then they they manage yes. to alter it then that's you know like good job you you yeah. took our our advice and yeah. I, I will say as well just to uh, throw a minor spanner in the works uh, to mention a queen that has gone home but did post their outfit on instagram i just want to say for what should have been a clear mashup um i actually think the strongest and it wasn't one that was done on the show was um Joe Black, who did Nosferatu and uh, The Wicked Witch of the West. And oh. it, for me, yeah. it was so obvious what both parts were, and it was so gruesome, but yet looked absolutely stunning. And I think that's what the Queen should have been aiming for, is two very clear monsters. And I just wanted to throw that in. If you haven't seen it, check out Joe's Instagram, because it is worth looking at. Yeah, I love cherries as well. Yeah, she did something beautiful this week. And I think that's it. I, it was just a shame that some queens didn't go as hard with the mashup as possible. Because right. I thought it was such a fun theme. And I think sometimes themes are really few and far between um, on seasons. Like, I know every night, like, you, you're always going to get the, oh, best, best drag or high pageant. And they're kind of your staples to drag race. But actually, for me, probably my favourite theme that we had was on your season, Alexis, which was the Club Kid theme that they'd never done before. And I thought that was such a beautiful, fun, really vibrant, creative theme. And it's a shame that that hasn't almost become one of the staple themes now that every season we, we want a club kid look. Um, yeah. And I almost feel like this Halloween one now, we've seen Halloween stuff done before, but to do it as a mashup, I thought was a clever concept. And I yeah. think some didn't quite get it. I'd love to see it done again. I know that... Uh, Madonna was questionable <laughs> with uh, <laughs> the amount of kimonos. So that, <laughs> but, but that's the thing. It's, sometimes you get a theme that's so good that you almost want it to carry on. And for me, the Club Kid was one of them. And actually this Monster Mash, I think, was another one. Right. 
It definitely lets them show off a bit of personality as well. I would, I just want to see Tina Burner do this trap, like this runway. Yeah. It'd be the <laughs> campest thing ever. She'd have a lot of fun with it for sure. Um, so we obviously get to the judge's critiques and then it turns out Veronica's sister and Ginny are in the bottom, resulting in sister and Ginny. I don't, I can't even use the word like battling because there was not a battle. <laughs> There's no battle. Um, but Lipsing, what did you think of that and how that all went down? So first of all, um, let me just say, because this is a this is going to be a controversial moment, is that clearly, no question, I think we all felt, just as the contestants felt, that Veronica performed um, most, you know, at the bottom of the pack in the yeah. challenge. And there are moments on Drag Race when... Um, performing well in a challenge and blowing it on the runway. Um, you know, it can go either way in your favor. Yeah. Or vice versa, you know, um, sometimes a runway can save you. Yeah. And this was an instance where the runway can save you from a bad performance challenge. Um, and I'm, uh, it just popped into my head. Frankly, there was, uh, I can't remember what the challenge was on the, on the all-star season with, with where, um, you know, that Monet and Trinity won, but Manila, before she was eliminated, really performed well in oh. challenge. And then for me, her runway was quite, quite store-bought looking. And yeah there was no mention of it. They didn't even, she like really breezed by on the runway after a killer performance challenge. And so this was an example of literally the runway saving. Yeah. Saving the way she, you know, she performed. And that's controversial to some people because some people say, no, she should have been in the bottom because of how she performed in the challenge. But I think where, I think, you know, where she fell into luck was if those other two had had stronger, more conceived yeah. and more executed looks, one of them would not have been stuck in the bottom. But I think the combination of questionable performance in the challenge and then a really ill-conceived or ill-executed look, yeah. that's how it fell the way it did as far as the bottom two. Yeah. Um, and then of course, what a gag, I mean, um, I, I can't remember who said it, but she Ben Dillacremed herself. Yeah, uh, I think it was Tess that said it, I believe. And, and she really did. She just said, do you know what? I, I'm done for the day. Uh, when, when, she, when her narration led into it, she said, I'm going to do what I always do and do something punk. I kind of had this little, this little feeling. Yeah. And I saw the look on her face when the music started and I knew. I knew what she was going to do. I knew what was yeah. happening. And I thought, on one hand, it's heartwarming because it was a fiercely loyal move made in the name of friendship. Yeah. Um, but it, it raises some eyebrows because um, the, for me, the, eye, the only eyebrow it raises for me is we get it. You've, yeah. You feel you've had your run. Um, and, and, you know, and how beautiful that, like, you have this friend that you care that much for. Um, 
but when any time a queen chooses to remove herself from the competition, it is a tough pill to swallow because there are yeah. hundreds, if not thousands, that would love that chance. And so it is a controversial move to make, especially so early in a competition, yeah. when, when your personality is really shining and carrying you through. Um, like it would have been, it would have been nice to see her push herself and her drag even further. Yeah. However, you know, and I think that while this was done in the name of friendship, I think it was also done in the name of, I know who I am as a performer. I know what I can do, what my strengths are. Yeah. Um, this isn't going to go much better. That's kind of how I felt with it. I think the friendship excuse, not saying it was disingenuous, but I feel like it was a smaller part of the narrative to why she chose to leave. Yeah. Um, I definitely think that for her, I mean, last week, obviously she didn't create a great outfit, but was asked, can you be sexy? Can you do something different? And credit to her, she gave it a bash and they they saved her for trying to do something different. Um, And like you said, I think this week, for me, it very much felt like I think she was done being critiqued when I think, for me personally, I feel like in her head, she was brought onto Drag Race to be Ginny Lemon. That's who she is and yeah. that's what she does. Her drag is exactly what you've seen. And I think for her, she's like, there's only so much critique I can be given knowing I'm not going to change anything else. This is who I am as a person. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what maybe led her to choosing to, to opt out, I think. Yeah, I mean, when I saw the Meet the Queens and I saw, oh, wow, this is really a bold choice. Mm. This is clearly taking someone who's got all the personality, is clearly a great entertainer, but is going to have some parameters that don't fit well into the drag race value system. Absolutely. Um, I thought to myself, the only way this is going to work long term in this competition for Ginny is if Ginny can really pull out some elevation. Yeah. Uh, that, and this is, this is sort of a big thing I have about Drag Race. Um, and I'm just gonna recall like one of the earliest things we heard. Um, it was right at the top of the episode when Veronica said, it's not just the clothes you wear, it's about being the total package. Yeah. And this is an issue I have with Drag Race, which is this um, expectation of elevation that is unrealistic yeah. to, an income that has not yet been through the drag race experience. Yeah. So I think when I think of Ginny, it's hard not to think of Elton John who, you know, in his early career did a kind of camp drag presentation of the male form. And if Ginny would be able to deliver on an Elton John level with crystals and feathers and baubles and bows, yeah. Ginny might have gone further, but I have a hunch that, you know, based on parameters of, of finance, that there was only f- so far Ginny was going to be able to take that. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's it, I think. Uh, so Ginny Lemon is a queen I've known about for years. Like, in the UK, she's kind, she's a known queen. Very famous. Um, but Ginny has always been Ginny, and I think that's the thing, and... I, part of me thinks maybe it was narrative-based to bring a queen like Ginny onto the show, knowing that for, for Drag Race, there's only so much they can do with Ginny. And for me, sometimes it's a shame because I do feel like a lot of the times they'll push queens into doing something out of their comfort zone, which I get the wanting to get versatility. 
But at the same time, I think a lot of the time they push this narrative of, oh, well, we haven't seen you vulnerable yet. Or we haven't seen... And I think... I don't think vulnerability always has to be having a bad week. But I think on Drag Race, it's almost like that tick box of, yeah. has a queen that's doing really well been vulnerable this week? Oh, she has been vulnerable. Now she can stay a bit longer. And it's, it's the idea of last week, the, we kind of got that with Ginny. It says, be sexy. And she told us why she doesn't feel like she's sexy and why her drag has always been what it is because of how she's felt growing up. And I feel for her, that was her moment of, that was me out of my comfort zone. Please just let me carry on being Ginny. And because she didn't, kind of feel like that was going to go any further with her it was just like it's my time i'd rather yeah. leave than be told to leave I think Absolutely. but i don't know has the like i don't want to say news but has the like rumors of what actually went down made its way across the pond yet because i know i talked to gloria a little bit about it and she like hadn't heard any of the insane rumors about this season um i haven't but um i have a hunch i know what you're about to tell me well i essentially but i think harry could agree to us well. obviously we don't know because we weren't there but the there was an article that came out probably two weeks after the meet the queens just um, after meet the queens came out uh, yeah. yeah quite a few news uh articles in the uk picked up a story up. that um didn't say which queen it was but that a queen decided to not do the lip sync uh re after receiving bad critique and basically told the judges to f off <laughs> and then uh, walked out so masterful editing okay so, so i uh i didn't hadn't heard that but uh, okay I, I often keep my head out of such things i yeah. try not to get spoilers for the season because i like it to be fresh and surprising yeah. however this story was everywhere in the and, like even if places where you wouldn't think like i was finding in my facebook where there's no other relation to drag like daily there. mail and the bbc there was a lot of pages that were picking up this story yeah but um, again never saying who but harry and i spoke about a little bit about it last week after we finished recording and he was like i know who this is and i was like yep this is <laughs> gonna be the episode and then of course they just stopped filming because of the pandemic yeah another twist do you think that realistically that is the first time they heard of it? Because dad and I spoke about it after the episode and he was like, they must have known something was up. Like production must have mentioned it in passing. Do you think that was a genuine reaction at the end that we got? Wait a second, a genuine reaction in this episode? Yeah, oh, right so at the end. So oh. at the end of the episode, they did the teaser for the next week, I think. Is that what you're on about? Yeah. No, yeah. you know what? I think I must have pressed stop on my thing. Ah, okay. Oh. Tell me, remind, uh, let me know what I missed. Well, so it was the like a room. Oh, sorry, carry sorry. on. Sorry. It was like a rumor came up, and RuPaul was basically like, in his very like elegant way, was like, we have to stop filming because of the current coronavirus situation. And everyone just looks really confused. They're like, what's happening? What's happening? But I, they must have known. Yeah, I know cause... they are isolated, but they'll have newspapers and things like that. Well, to know, you know, certainly to know what was going on in the world, because even if you can't communicate with the outside world, you can watch telly or whatever. So yeah. um, I'm sure they knew things were shifting, but to a degree, by at this point in the competition, you've essentially already been in a quarantine yeah. with the bubble. And so outside of something like perhaps it was just like all production must be shut down. Yeah. Um, you know, then they, if they feed, if there was feasibly some sort of sense of, well, these people have been bubbled together um, and they've been tested or whatever, 
Um, but so they might not have seen it coming to be, to be brutally honest, but, um, but it's hard to say. Um, it's hard to say. I'll go back and watch and see if I think it's yeah. a genuine reaction. Because that's how I felt with it was, um, obviously, I think once they got there, the, I think the UK, they film around March time, if I'm correct. I think it's start of March they begin filming. Yeah. Um, so obviously that was before the lockdown, but coronavirus was known about at this point. And I think, like you said, for them, it was almost that, well, you can carry on working, but you shouldn't be going to your friend's house at that point. And I remember at the time when the season was happening and being filmed, we were still going to bars, but it was very much a, you go to the bars, but you don't interact with other people. And then the lockdown happened. And I think for them, when the big lockdown happened, that's when they also chose to cease on, uh, non-essential television. So the news kept happening. But yeah. I know um, like our soap operas, EastEnders and stuff like that, they all stopped so there was a three-month period of lockdown where they rationed the episodes before they could film again. And then everyone was acting like there was no coronavirus. And then out, all of a sudden, we come out of coronavirus and Everything. the whole TV show is talking about the lockdown because that's where they got up to with filming what was going to happen. Yeah. Um, so I know that the Queens had a seven-month hiatus before they picked up in the competition again. Which um, is really wild. And a crazy frankly, amount of time. It's a crazy amount of time. And frankly, whether it was seven months or whether it had been a few days, um, it is, uh, some might say it's a disadvantage in that momentum is lost. But yeah. I say to the contrary, I think it could be a tremendous advantage or game changer. Yeah. Because the longer you are in the drag race pressure cooker, the more the experience gets to you and can rattle you. And going yeah. back to your home and your comfort zone and your, you know, your, your, your world yeah. can be very restorative. Yeah. And I would think that it would be a very powerful reset button for a lot of people. I thought the same. Yeah. The other thing I wondered is, did they, was there a rule about you cannot take any of this stuff back with you and can you, and can you not bring anything back? Because it would also be yeah. a wild advantage. You could come back with a, with a package like Drag Race has never seen before because yeah. seven months is um, f about 14 times. I was going to say, don't you get about two weeks to prepare? To prepare for season of drag race so i've i've heard it like whispers in the wind that um outfit wise i believe they left things with production so that there wasn't that unfairness to those queens that had already been eliminated to all of a sudden have the rest of the competition look like they've had the most beautiful glow up in the world yeah um so i yeah. think i think what they brought was what they brought and that was the ruling um but i suppose that doesn't stop you enhancing your makeup really researching your pop culture because we haven't had snatch game yet yeah um being able to i know we've had a sewing challenge but that doesn't stop there being a ball challenge later on like there's a lot of things you could really be picking up in the seven months it doesn't stop you watching a youtube dance class or uh, singing lessons there's so much you could go now is the perfect time to really up the skills that i thought i was good at until i saw the competition and think actually i should work on those bits and even yeah. knowing your castmates, because now Snatch Game's usually episode five or six in the UK, they know their strengths and advantages. So if yeah. I were them, I'd be, get home, all right, y'all, let's set up a Zoom call to a practice Snatch Game. Yeah. So we can figure out, I mean, I'm sure they weren't allowed to. 
I wonder how they were able to monitor contact in those months because I would assume that they weren't able to. And so that's also an unparalleled uh, drag race experience yeah. is to have that kind of uh, time to build or learn, as you said, learn about your competitors. Yeah. Um, because, you know, when we were there filming, not only were things very controlled about when we could be around each other, when we couldn't, when we could talk about things, when we couldn't, but we didn't have any of our phones. Yes. So it's not like we were texting each other at night about what happened. So all of that only happened once production was over. So the fact that these yes. girls have this yes. seven month window to get to know each other is a very... And I know a lot of the queens did hang out because um, yeah. a lot of them uploaded on Instagram. So for the UK, we got a particularly excellent summer this year, <laughs> which is rare. <laughs> so I know when lockdown eased, it eased at the right time when summer kind of happened. So there was a lot of the London queens specifically that were hanging out in the parks together. And obviously this was pre-cast announcement. So to most people watching it, it was just random drag queens out of drag that know each other hanging out. Yeah. And then when the season Meet the Queens came out, you were like, oh, four of you in that picture are on this season together. I think so I know the they, exact picture you're talking about. Yeah, well. so a lot of these queens have met up, which like you said, is really, well, it's never happened before. Yeah, so right. It, it can be a great bit. I mean, we don't even know if they're going to be like, let's plan a juicy storyline. Like, they could literally do anything that production has never let them do before. Because like you said, you're kept on ice when you're not on camera. Um, I think... It, oops, sorry. Uh, just coming back, it's going to be very interesting because I know um, Joe was meant to go on tour in October. That got cancelled because they filmed um, October, November. So I'm very interested to see if they bring everyone back in episode five or bring some people, like, something's going to happen, I think. Ooh, a twist. I, I think there's going to be another twist. Because, I mean, call me pessimistic and I hope it doesn't happen, but... Um, I know with quite a few TV shows in the UK with what's happened with the pandemic, especially competition reality shows like Strictly Come Dancing or Bake Off and things like that, we've had um, contestants that have midway through the competition had to be removed from the competition because they've ended up contracting coronavirus. Even if they were only ill for a week, it doesn't matter. They're just like, no, yeah. you can't be in it anymore. There's a high chance this could have happened with one of the queens here. If that happens, does that mean the UK will finally get their queen coming back which hasn't happened in the uk season before will they be replacing a potential queen with a queen that's already gone home or do we get a 30 uh, not 13 uh 11th cast member right that we've never yeah. been introduced before like what if they bring back gothy kendall <laughs> <laughs> you know the other uh the other thing i thought of when i heard about drag race production halting was um it sort of parallels the the Bake Off experience from this yeah. season because normally with Bake Off, you get to go home each week and you can practice for the yeah. challenge coming. This time by committing to quarantining together um, for the length of production, they didn't have their their weekly practice or their weekly, you know, family time. So again, it like it ups the stakes of competition when yeah. you're locked in. And so this unlocked time in the middle is very highly unusual. Mm, I think so. It's, 
it's definitely going to be an interesting twist to see who's going to come. Because like we said, I'm, I'm 99% certain they're not allowed to take their wigs and costumes home. Yes. So that it's fair. It would but be that, the only fair way. The only yeah. fair way. But like you said, that you can't promise you're not going to practice an impression at home. Yeah, correct. So there is, there is a, a very good chance that some queens will potentially come back with a real heightened challenge. And like we said, we know they'll have probably been chatting. They'll probably say to production, oh, I've never spoken to Veronica Green outside of this camera before, but who's going to check whether they follow each other on Instagram and stuff? This is a, an unprecedented moment that we're going to get. This does make it exciting. Yeah, but like out of drag moments as well. Like I know when I talked to Sister Sister, she was saying her going in, she was very like art school, art student, broke art student um, outfit. And then she was like, I came back and I had all my designer. Because I was like, I realised I wasn't looking my best. So I've like fully changed my look. So first few episodes to the rest, like totally different person. Right. But it's definitely going to be an interesting season as we've seen already with every episode has been a shocker. I think that's going to continue. What's something you'd really want to see this season that we haven't so far? Hmm. Well, it's not so much that we haven't seen so far because I feel we have seen it. And like I said, this is what I loved about the first season of UK Drag Race and I hope we get more of, is just more and more opportunities to see what these girls do in the real world, meaning to see their performance selves, whether that's live singing, whether it's dancing, um, whether it's uh, hosting on the microphone, I hope that we get to see more of that because for me, that is what makes uh, particularly UK Drag Race so, so excellent. I think I'd love to see like, you know how they do the like All Stars variety show as the first yep. episode. I'd love to see them do that on regular seasons as well. Cause I think that gives um, the Queens a chance to do exactly what they want and show off a particular scale. Um, because when it's all challenge-based, you can sort of get bits of, you know, if you go to a Joe Black show, you're getting live singing, but you didn't get to see it on the show. Right, right. Um, and so we've already talked about your top four, or top three, uh, which thankfully are all still in the competition as it stands. Um, and so I, mine are very similar. I think after losing Ginny, I think Tace and Bimini and Lawrence going to be up there. Um, Lawrence's accent is the new Crystal Methods mullet. <laughs> as well. Honestly, you don't get those reactions out of Rue often. And I think we've seen it with the mullet, the accent, and then Utica's Have You Ever Smoked Weed? Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. I definitely think that... Um, it's funny because the first season we didn't get any Scottish queens on the show. Um, so I'm really glad that we kind of got two for the price of one this year. And clearly RuPaul is fascinated by Lawrence's accent. And well, what? Because I, I, I share the, I mean, I, I have a, a love and adoration for all accents yeah. over, over your, your way. <laughs> but what is it about a thick Scottish accent that's just so both delicious and also like inherently entertaining and or funny? Yeah. It's Do you know what? Like, it's, it's, it's one of those accents that I think because it's, as a child, I suppose it's one of those first accents that most kids emulate. 
because it's entertaining. But like you said, there's there's such a coolness to a Scottish accent, but also a comedy of it. But I think it's because we had, um, oh, I've completely forgotten the name of the comedian. <laughs> the, but yeah, we, we've just permanently had these like big Scottish figures in television that with Lawrence, don't get me wrong, he is incredibly funny, but the accent definitely plays into it. He knows that anything he says, Rue will laugh at at this point. Yeah. Like it works for him. And I think he's been very, very smart in utilizing his accent. And if an accent's a strength, you go with it. Like we said, and Krista tell- was happy with a mullet and it works for her. <laughs> but- right. And you can tell when, when Lawrence leans into it as well. Yeah, yeah, well, it's the same thing with Cynthia Lee Fontaine. Her, yeah. like, she could tell me, like, I'm in debt and I need to, like, pay my phone bill or something. And I'd be like, ha ha, yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. It's, it's quite fun. And I suppose this is probably a good question. I know, Alexis, you've had um, a good bit of uh, reference to UK drag scene now. Um, of course, we've not asked an American queen yet. How are you finding watching a UK season with such a variety of accents? Oh, for me, it's it's easy, breezy, beautiful uh, cover girl because I, like I said, I've long adored UK culture and have immersed myself in uh, UK uh, cinema and television. So it's not a hurdle for me at all. Um, I enjoy it. It's like I said, it is delicious. Because I, I find it such a treat to listen to such a range of accents. And I mean, I, I suppose the same with America. I love when you get a queen from a completely different state and you, you get that real vibe of a personality. And I know that it's kind of the joke now with Drag Race. It's always the New York queens versus any other state on the show. <laughs> <laughs> and with the UK, we don't really have that yet. And right. we've got obviously cities that are known. We've got like your Brighton and your Liverpool and your Manchester's. But there's not... Apart from like London, I suppose that's kind of the equivalent to New York Queens for those. But you do you do get a lot of regional drag that I think feels really entertaining because I think the accents do vary so wildly. I mean, when I went to university, I had a lot of people that were like, I don't understand your Yorkshire accent. And these are people that were from London. That's a two hour train journey from there. Yeah. And I thought my accent's not that bad. So I'm thinking, God, I wonder how Americans are finding Lawrence Cheney or taste with her very fast paced Welsh accent but <laughs> I love it I, I can't get enough I think it, it, it's a fun treat if nothing else we get from the season I'm, <laughs> I just enjoy reading comments on the drag race groups of just Americans being like I don't understand what Ginny Lemon's saying or I can't understand <laughs> that and that for me I'm just like if nothing else it's made this season perfect as people yeah are baffled by <laughs> what UK drag is and our voices right I think the little references make it like special as well for people watching in the UK because like, same with the Canadian and Dutch season, there is loads of references that I didn't understand, but I still enjoyed it. But I know if I had understood them, I would enjoy it that extra bit. Yeah. Which I think is like, we get the like, the Kim Woodburn voice Vivian did all the time. Like little bits like that just make it like, here's a... Yeah, it's, we've definitely got moments. And obviously I think Rue and Michelle are trying to learn a lot of their pop culture references. Like we've had a few, Cat Slater, who is a character from EastEnders. We've had a few Cat Slater moments on, uh, on Drag Race now. And I suppose it's for us, I guess, when we watch Snatch Game, to a lot of UK people, we might not know who a Tamar Braxton is uh, and people <laughs> along that which is crazy when you think... No, that's just you. I, I know I keep saying this, but there, there's a lot of people that won't know specific, like, um, Real Housewives references and stuff like that. So for me, seeing 
like Vivian potentially doing Scylla Black or Kim Woodburn, that are massively UK like names. I find it quite amusing having our version for the audiences is what I suppose a lot of young kids had to Little Edie for Snatch Games. Mm. Um, and I know, I'm pretty sure Snatch Game is not next week, it's the week after. So I'm excited to see who's going to be bringing that to the Definitely. It's going to be an exciting <laughs> rest of the season. But it hasn't been an exciting season already. But as we sort of wrap up, is there anything you want to plug, like your social medias and things like that? Or is there anything coming up? Well, certainly uh, follow me on everywhere, Instagram, uh, Twitter, and Venmo at Alexis Lives. <laughs> um, although I guess you probably plugging Venmo in the UK is useless. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, follow me on Instagram and, and Twitter uh, at Alexis Lives. And I think on TikTok, I'm Alexis Lives 69 because that's who I am. Cheeky. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and, um, and there is some exciting stuff coming up, but I can't talk about it yet. That's fine. We'll keep it on the down low. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. Um, it's been an absolute delight. Thank you. You're both lovely and charming and adorable. And it's a shame this isn't televised. I know. Well, oh. I'll tell you what, come next season, let's try and make this a video thing. And we'd love to get you back for uh, season three of UK Drag Race, if possible. Anytime. Beautiful. Thank <laughs> you so much.